Good morning and welcome back, everyone. Or uh, should I say good evening? <laughs> you could say good evening. Why not? I mean, it good works. morning. Welcome, everyone, to Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. We are thrilled to be here today because we're going to be talking about the Battle of Five Armies, which takes place in the film called The Battle of the Five Armies. <laughs> Coincidentally. Yeah, there's there's, there's some my... kind of link between the battle and the name of the film, but it's not yes. actually really clear. Yeah. Yes. My, my companions have informed me that, that while, while Peter Jackson may force them to add the definite article to the name of the film, that doesn't stop them from calling the battle by its proper name. That's right. So... <laughs> So, so if you get a little confused, you can't follow along. There, that's why. That's right. That's yeah. That's... This, this, this is our. This will be our method for clarifying whether we're talking about the film itself or the actual battle that takes place in the film, uh, after which the film was loosely named. Exactly. You know. In fact, really, it's uh, it's it's we could we can consider this a convenience uh, from Peter Jackson because, of course, we will want to differentiate between discussion of the battle and discussion of the film, and he's given us this convenient mechanism. How thoughtful! So, uh, so yes. that's that's uh, that's very good. Yes. Yeah, so, with that clarified, now <laughs> let me introduce myself. I'm co-host Dave Kale, and with me, as always, are the illustrious Tolkien professor Corey Olson and the smart and brilliant Trish Lambert. Good morning oh, like slash that. evening to you. Good You're morning. Hired. Good morning. Okay, so uh, uh, Trish, you wanted to review recent minor uh, matters of news and rumor. Uh, uh, we have some like extremely pressing and uh, remarkable pieces of news. Details. Details well, to go I, over. I will say, and I didn't include this bit. I, there's one piece I didn't include, which is that somebody has put together like what scenes we might see in bells of five armies, you know, based on like V logs and stuff like that. To me, that's like for later, you know, we can yeah, do that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the trailer, you know, is supposed, we're expecting the trailer at some time in July. We're, we're doing that one later as well. But a couple of things that are actually potentially pertinent to both this episode and maybe the Dal Guldur episodes is that um, Manu Bennett and Sylvester McCoy are, have been confirmed they are going back to actually Sylvester I guess in London to do pickups in July so that's Azog and Radagast who knows what that means it means um, that, that they didn't quite get Radagast's death speech quite like they wanted to <laughs> um, and they're having him uh, yeah so because like they, they especially like with the way they were like splicing in the CG Christopher Lee you know like as Saruman stabs him in the back so they had to redo some of that yeah well, making, and, making you know, kind, compassionate faces. Yeah, he is exactly. doing it in London. He is doing it uh-huh. in London. I was, I was gonna is, point that out, but I, yeah, see, exactly, exactly. Yeah, which is where Christopher Lee is. So that could be interesting. Now, the other one, breaking news this morning. I'm very big on effects. <laughs> when I did the introduction, my introduction, when you weren't there, I, I used sound effects. Yes, yes. Um, is. Uh, Hot across the wires this morning is the horse that Gandalf used to ride. I, I guess he shows up. He's the horse he gets on outside Mirkwood. Um, and then apparently rides quite extensively in, in movie three, is up for sale. So, <laughs> so, so it's important have, to note that this horse is an 18 hands high, dark gray, nine-year-old gelding. Oh, oh my God. See, there he goes. It looks out. Yes. So he's a okay. huge horse. And, and there are, apparently there's pictures of Gandalf like, galloping across what looks like a wasted plane uh, that we are inferring is in movie three. So people are, like, making absolutely as much of this as they possibly can. Absolutely, yes. The Gandalf will be riding to Erebor, not with the White, you know, just by himself and not with the White Council. 
Right. Of course, you know, the bunny sled could just be out of frame, but, you know, people aren't taking that into account. <clears throat> well, Although as Radagast will be dead by then, there's not right. an Radagast issue of bunny sleds. The, uh, of course, it could be Elrond and Galadriel could have taken on the bunny sled. This anyway. horse is huge. I know, 18 hands. That's enormous. It's like a Clydesdale. Fortunately, you know what you know. The, you know what I do like about it. I'm glad that it's 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 on the darker side in terms of color, because otherwise, I feel like people would think it's the same. It's Shadow Facts again. Oh, Gandalf's riding Shadow Facts again. Right. By the way, so for folks who don't know, what, by different. the way, for for people who don't know what hands are when you measure a horse, uh, a hand is four inches, and it's measured at the withers, which is you know like the shoulder, like the part right before the where the saddle gets put on. So it's the distance from the wither to the ground is how many hands a horse is. So this guy at the shoulders is 18 times 4 inches. So Yeah, I, I absolutely love the concept of uh, movie plot speculation premised upon the sales ad for a horse. Um, this is fantastic uh, investigative journalism right here. And... Um, uh, I don't really read all that much into this, but I have to admit that I am still at the place. This is why I'm really excited about the way that we are, um, the way that we are shifting, um, mm-hmm. the way that we're doing riddles in the dark this year. Um, and that is to remind people or to inform people who are new. Um, we're going to be stopping the riddles soon now, not in not too long, only a few more episodes. And then we're going to stop the riddles and close the riddle game. And we're going to be shifting our ground to, instead of talking about the issues to be addressed and the, 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 the storylines to be explored in the film, we're going to be talking. We're going to be shifting to doing analysis of what we get and what we see. So trailers and all of the the, the releases, and the we can go back and look at some of the video logs and stuff like right. that. Um, but I actually find the two things. I really dislike doing the two things at once. In fact, I, f- I find myself every you know, in previous years. I've always found myself resistant uh, uh, to doing. Like I've never watched the vlogs during the first part of the year you know I, I i wait until the end to watch them because i really i don't i almost don't i don't want to see what's going to happen in the film i want to think about it first yeah i want to think about the issues i want to think about the story um you know i want to consider the adaptation sort of objectively first and then um and then I, i'm very happy to analyze and you know and discuss what's there but the, those two processes you know the processes of of sort of projection of you know of just thinking about the story on its own terms and and sort of working out um, you know how what could be done and then actually analyzing what they have done those are to me like really different intellectual processes and and I and I like to keep them yeah, separate so that's true so I'm glad that we're doing that because I find like yeah I say I, I actively avoid the video logs if there's something that gives uh, it's not that I'm averse to spoilers in general but I just like I said my 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 mind is not there yet so you know for all the people clamoring for a trailer and complaining that we haven't gotten yet I, I've been delighted that we haven't gotten one yet I don't want one <laughs> yet um, so it's fine now unless anybody's worried <laughs> by the way you know, <laughs> once we stop the riddle game and start talking about trailers and stuff don't worry. The episodes will still be quite long. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, there'll still be plenty to talk about. 
And I'll still be plenty to talk about. So yeah, well, um, and of course, you know, one of the things that will that I'm looking forward to talking about is uh, when finally the other three and a half hours of footage for the Desolation of Smaug is released uh, uh, in the uh, extended edition, um, which we all know is going to be at least seven or eight hours long. Um, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Because we've we've pretty much proven that I think over the course of our conversations. Um, so uh, so yeah, that'll be give us plenty to talk about. <laughs> but today, should Battle of Five Armies Part One. I should probably Battle clarify that I was, in fact, joking about that. I know that I, I, my wife complains about this all the time. She's like, "You give insufficient signals for when you are like being sarcastic." Uh, anyway, um, so I was being sarcastic about that. I don't really think it's going to be seven hours long, but it should be. Um, it it oh, should be I, if it's going I, to cover I all. I expect of the... it will be. <laughs> yeah, right. Dave, Dave, in all seriousness, believes it is going to be seven hours long. Um, okay, but Trish is right. Today is the Battle of Five Armies. So uh, just to, to 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 start off, let's do some review. Um, so the crucial thing to remember about this is the way that the battle starts. This is a this is a, a very important moment in the book. Because it's the first moment of real U catastrophe. One of the arguments that I made in my book about this moment uh, is that, the, of course, the arrival of the Eagles is the classic U catastrophic moment, not only in The Hobbit, but arguably in all of Tolkien. The, the arrival of the Eagles at the Battle of Five Armies is one of the most <clears throat> like quintessential... Um, you know, clearest examples of what Tolkien calls you catastrophe uh, in any of his stories. So, I mean, there are other you catastrophic moments, of course, but again, the Eagles are coming is the classic moment. However, within uh, the story itself, it's it that's only like really the sort of the culminating you catastrophe. The real the 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 the, the, the people who really save the day are the goblins, ironically, um, because it's the goblins who prevent, whose arrival miraculously, I mean, like, absolutely miraculously prevents the horrible tragedy that was about to unfold from unfolding. And I think it's important to, you know, for us to recall from the book how close that was to happening. Remember, you know, we've been talking for several weeks now about the, you know, what, what we've been calling the Siege of the Lonely Mountain um, and the, you know, the sort of the standoff at the gate and we've been thinking about things from the dwarves, you know, Thorn and the dwarves' point of view and from Bard and, and the Master and the Lake Town point of view and from Thranduil and, uh, and the Elves' point of view um, and, you know, how that's likely to be played out in the film. Well, at the end of that, of course, you know, once the Arkenstone has been handed over uh, and uh, they're going to barter it, remember Thorin at the end, in the last second, uh, is basically trying to back out on his agreement and not give up the gold in exchange for the Arkenstone because Dan and the dwarves of the Iron Hills are arriving and he fully plans to uh, to attack them and Dan comes and marches to the attack. He comes and now we have a real standoff with three actual armies in the field, not just Thorin and his, you know, and his 12 plus companions, uh, you know, bricked up in the mountain, but three legitimate armies in the field and uh and things are really coming to a crisis. The dwarves um, aren't attacking, but they're marching over to the mountain. And Bard, as military captain, is determined to prevent the dwarves from getting to the mountain. Because if they do, you know, if there are 500 armed and supplied dwarves in the mountain, it's going to be impossible for them to maintain the siege. 
um, because they're not the 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 men and the elves aren't don't have enough men to surround the entire mountain, so there's no way they can effectively besiege them. Um, so this is clearly a moment of military crisis there, and they move to attack. You know, so there is actual we get that moment where the 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 two armies. Um, or, you know, the three armies, really. Um, the dwarves on the one side and the elves and men on the other side are actually, you know, charging towards each other with weapons. Shots are fired towards each other. Um, that battle is about to be joined. Um, and it's in that moment, like, as they're, like, screaming and running towards each other with weapons uplifted, that Gandalf appears in the middle of them, um, uh, you know, silences everybody and tells them, oh, by the way, the goblins are here and are attacking. Um, and the the arrival of the goblins is the one thing that that is able to circumvent this, to shift, uh, you know, to, to change these armies that were actually about to engage each other into allies who are now going to, to line up shoulder to shoulder and to try to defend against the goblins. Um, so the, the miraculous intervention of the goblins prevents what would have been the final tragedy. I mean, again, as I argued in my book, a defeat by the goblins. You know, if had the eagles not shown up, that would have been bad, of course. They all would have died. Um, but all of them dying would not, or most, or almost, or, you know, presumably some would probably have escaped and lived. But, you know, the, the vast majority of them being killed is, uh, would, be, would have been less of a tragedy than what would have happened had the goblins not shown up. So, so you know, when I ask myself, like, which would be worse? the eagles not showing up or the goblins not having shown up in the first place? And to me, the answer is clearly it would have been worse if the goblins hadn't shown up. Because no matter what happened at that point, no matter who won or who lost, um, the fact that we've had actual blood shed now, you know, in, the, in, this, in this area of peace where there used to be in the past, <clears throat> this peaceful kingdom of dwarves and men and elves, um, uh, you know, all sort of living together and in friendly association, such as, you know, rarely happened anywhere else on Middle Earth, um, we, uh, w you know, now we would have permanent enmity. Now there would be, you know, blood feuds and th there, w there could have been no real winner. Uh, to that battle. But now, again, even if everybody's slaughtered, heck, even if everybody's slaughtered, like, okay, that's a pretty bad thing for the people who are there. But that that could only solidify, you know, in the bigger picture, the alliances between those peoples. You know, now they would all have, have you know, a common enemy and common remembrances, you know, a, you know, a common bond of, you know, our, you know, our kinsmen and people who, who, you know, were all killed by the goblins together at the Lonely Mountain. I mean, even that's, you know, in the in the big long term picture, not a not a complete tragedy, whereas the battle among the three of them would have been a complete tragedy. Um, so, so that I think so is Corey, a crucial thing uh, to remember at the beginning of the battle. Go ahead, Dave. <clears throat> well, I'm just wondering, riffing off of that, uh, if you don't mind sure. shifting into uh, speculating about the film a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's going to change a little bit, because because basically, as you say in the book. This is presented as a catastrophe. Um, in the film, we already have we've already seen. You know, we end the second film with with a glimpse of the of the the orc army at right, Dol right. Guldur um, marching off down a hill, 
we presume toward the we toward the mountain, possibly in a different direction, but to be redirected <laughs> toward the mountain. right. right. I, I kind of wonder, you know, it it, it sort of lend, it causes the audience we're anticip- as the audience we're anticipating that as a book reader who's never read the book before, you're reading this, you're not even thinking about goblins, you're just thinking about oh my gosh, this is going to come to blows, uh, and then the goblins take you by surprise. In this case, the, the the film goers are going to be anticipating the orc army the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, even even as they're watching the con, you know, even if they do play up the conflict between the elves, the dwarves, and the men, uh, the film goer is going to be watching it, thinking, uh, "You idiots! There's an orc army coming. Mm-hmm. You know, there's darkness right. preparing to sweep the the face of the earth. Yada yada yada. All the stuff that they set up in the previous film. I mean, basically, basically they've already played their hand. But see, um, you know, in some ways. I like the position that that puts the audience members in because that I think makes the, we should feel like frustrated, impatient, even panicked about the fact that the good guys are about to start fighting with each other. Um, mm. And I, I feel like if we as an audience are put in the position of saying, no, you idiots don't fight against each other. There's a greater enemy. Well, that's where we should be, right? You know, that's where mm. a certain, you know, that's where somebody like Gandalf would be um, anyway. Um, and if showing the enemy army approaching helps to set us, the viewers, up for that. Now, I agree, it's going to be bad, I think it's going to be bad, if everybody there at the Lonely Mountain already knows the goblins are coming. I, I, that That's, to me, um, well, I don't know, I say it's going to be bad. It, it's going to change things significantly. Um, I still will kind of hope that the, that the orc army sneaks up on them up there. Um, but, uh, uh, but still... If the fact that we know that it's going to happen, I think is a good thing. Interesting. Okay. Um, there's another, and this is terrible because I can't remember who it was, but it was an interview with one of the actors, you know, looking back on movie three, who played one of the dwarves. And he was talking about his weaponry, and then he got all, you know, funny and stuff, and was talking about what, how great it was to be able to kill elves with his, with his weapons. And I remember that caught me because it was like, okay, wait a second, killing elves. Okay, I don't remember, first of all, was there a lot of combat with the elves in movie two when they were escaping? Not a lot, right? Mostly it was with dwarves. Two, then, if he's killing elves, the only place I can think of doing that would be at Erebor. Right, I mean, right. that's maybe something we should bring up later in the episode, but yeah, no, I, I mean, that kind of stumped me. It is, a, it is a good... I mean, I could imagine that happening. Um, nor... Well, yeah, it's 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 tricky. I mean, I certainly can imagine uh, them actually taking it one step further, where the battle actually is joined um, mm-hmm. between the dwarves and the elves, especially with probably the men also. Um, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely can imagine that occurring. Um, I mean, it's going to be harder, but uh, you know, it's it's quite possible. I mean, again the the difficult thing is knowing, like, for instance, especially the dwarves. Uh, you know that Tolkien's dwarves would never forget that. You know, if, like, because right. the, there would be somebody whose father had been killed by an elf, uh, you know, in the opening skirmishes before the goblins came, and, uh, and like, right. they wouldn't forget. Right. <laughs> you know, they would never forget that. So um, s- the fact that the battle in the book is uh, cut off before it can, just before, but before it can actually join, um, is, uh, uh, is is I think an important thing, 
do I think that that's absolutely essential? No, I think they could get away with, uh, uh, with, with actually having it. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, exactly. A few dead elves ain't gonna hurt anybody, you know. Before the orcs show up. Exactly. Little, a little pre gaming. I can see. No, seriously. I think. I think that that's. I. I. I don't think that would be a horrible violation if that were to happen. But I don't know. It's a. It's a change, but it's something that we can. We can. You know, we can survive it. Yeah, we can survive um, in the films. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. And and uh, the interviews that they've done with uh, shoot, what's that guy's name who was playing Dine, have hinted toward that too. Like he's Billy talked Connelly. a lot about. Yeah, Billy Connolly. He's talked a lot about like, oh yeah, I really really hate the elves, man. And I'm just like my. I, I'm oh, just that like, might have been the. Cannot actually, wait to get in there. The and, one. Yeah, that was he the, the one. one. See, okay, I. I We'll have to see. I mean, I have to. I have to put aside my personal dislike for him. I know. Uh, but uh, I suppose no, I don't actually. I'm not going to put aside my personal <laughs> dislike for him. I personally dislike the guy, um, and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, and I think if I'm gonna put him pretty high up on my list. He's above Cumberbatch in my in list of, of salt. yes, grains of salt. The number of grains of salt that uh, that I apply to the uh, yeah. to the saying of an actor, um, you know, on my spectrum with um, you know it, with Hobbit actors, you know, with Richard Armitage near the top and uh, Benedict. Cumberbatch, whom I love, by the way. I'm not dissing Cumberbatch. He's a f- fabulous uh, uh, actor, and I'm a big fan. Um, but Mr. Battle of the Five Legions, who doesn't clearly yes. have any idea what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> not an authoritative source. Not an authoritative, I no. I think you're right. I think Billy Connolly, same way. I mean, I don't think, you know, he, he filmed you know, action scenes and probably didn't understand what he was doing. So, I think you're right. I, can't I mean, believe... I think he could probably be... I can't believe he's getting as many grains of salt as uh, as Mr. Battle of Five Legions. The reason that I give him even more grains of salt is is that I find I found his comments not only ignorant but perverse. Um, and based on the things that he was saying, I could see him act actually like making stuff up uh, to. To, get to a rise out of people. Out of yes, fans. exactly, exactly. No just to fans. just to mock Tolkien fans. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so That's for that true. reason, I have absolute. I just. I do not. Tr- I mean, it may, it may turn out to be perfectly accurate. I don't know. Um, but for that reason, I don't trust anything that he says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but right. uh, yeah. but anyway, uh, Gerald asks a really good question, which we should certainly not omit uh, uh, to to address. Gerald says, "Okay." Um, how do we get the armies to the Battle of Five Armies? So, um, well, and we should also talk about um, which uh, armies are going, in fact, uh, to be there. Um, what are going to be the five? This is, of course, a classic question in the book. Um, and, <laughs> and you know, Tolkien was, uh, was sort of waffled about this. Um, initially, it was going to be the Battle of the Seven Armies, actually, um, be, you know, as I think I've mentioned before, because there was going to be, you know, the eagles were going to count, and there was also going to be an army of bears. Um, in the, um, you know, Bjorn was going to come at the head of an army of bears. Um, the, in the final book, it's 
pretty clearly the wolves and the goblins on the one side and the, the, the dwarves, humans, and elves on the other side. The eagles don't count as an army, neither does Bjorn by himself, though, you know, one could make an argument. Um, but um, uh, who are going to be the... F- I'm presuming that wolves are certainly not going to be one of the five armies because okay, in the book... The wolves are clearly depicted. If you think about, you know, back to out of the frying pan and into the in, in, into the fire. You think back to chapter six. The um, the wolves are presented first as an independent peoples, right? You know, Bilbo right. and the dwarves meet them and hear them talking and see their internal conclave and their chieftain, right? Before the goblins come in, the goblins to whom they are allied, um, but they are allied as two independent people who, two independent peoples who help each other in mischief and wicked deeds. Um, that's how they're presented in the book. Um, so, uh, but uh, that's not going to happen in the films. The, 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 there have been plenty of wargs that have been ridden in the film, but they're just mounts. You know, they're, they're, they are, you know, and I know I've said this before, in the film version, there's no way we could count the armies as, the, the d- wolves as a separate army any more than we would count the horses of the Rohirrim as a, as, a, as a second army. You know, so when the Rohirrim come charging across into the field, we have two armies attacking, right? The Rohirrim and their horses. Obviously, we're not going th- to count that way. And, you know, and, and no more would we count that way with the goblins and the wargs, I think, in the huh. films. So who's army number five? Huh. That's a good point. Does would would the Iron Hills dwarves count as an army? But then, but would Thorin then by himself, like Thorin and company, count as? I can't imagine <laughs> they're a separate army. I know right? that's true. So it, obviously, three are always easy, right? You know, we've got the humans, the elves, and the dwarves right. as three armies. You and know, the orcs obviously that's a given, and the orcs are the orcs. So the four are easy. But who's the, the eagles, fifth? Maybe. The eagles. I mean, maybe Jackson's going to count the eagles. I mean, I do think Jackson's going to need. I think personally, he may not, but I think he is going to need to delineate five army. I mean, that's the title of the movie, right? Right. So He's kind of committed so himself on this point. To, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can't That's think who else it would be unless I, we already know from the movie Bayorn is the only one left of his kind, so there's not going to be an army of bears. Right, there's not going to be an army of bears. Yeah. Um, interesting. Both uh, Andrew and Kate Neville are both uh, uh, are both raising the the same specter here, which is what about the Nazgul? Um, oh, yeah. uh, Andrew says, "Let's hope Jackson doesn't have the Witch King roll up with an army too." Um, That's true. And, or spiders, or spiders and, and, and as he as he then says. points out as yeah exactly. Um, could we get um, could we get two armies of orc goblin things? Could hmm. we get uh, a oh, an independent army of misty mountain goblins coming and mucking things up? That would be interesting. You know, I it is possible. Especially given the fact, I mean, again, thinking back to the book, the 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 death of the of the of the great goblin was the precipitating factor of the gathering of the army of the of the goblins from the Misty Mountains to march on Erebor in the first place. But um, and in the film, you know, they kill the Goblin King, and goodness knows the Misty Mountain goblins are sufficiently separate. Both seem to be somewhat politically independent, not to mention very distinct in physiology from, um, you know, Azog's army, that it would certainly appear to be a second army coming up, you know, so you'd have two orc armies allied against each other, or with each other against the the, the other three. But who's there to 
do it. I mean, the the misty in the film, the Misty Mountain Goblin seemed like a dead end. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, there's there's nobody else. Like, who's going to lead them? The stenographer? I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're going to come into the battle on zip lines. on zip lines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you would think there'd have to be some kind of setup for. Um, for another person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, there's also always the possibility that uh, we get, I mean, you know, as we raised in the riddle last time, perhaps Sauron himself coming, you know, is getting necromancer plus Nazgul contingent, you know, this could, I'm still, as I said last week, certainly hoping that doesn't happen, but... um, Serena Haggins uh, has said that she remembers reading somewhere or something about the necromancer flying towards the Battle of Five Armies, but she can't remember where. Um, mm. Yeah. Nope. Refuse to believe it. Yep. I know. Could be yeah. somebody speculating. Yep, Serena, <laughs> let's just hope that whoever wrote that thing that you were reading doesn't know what they're talking about. So yeah. I, I don't care how much evidence I'm presented with. I will refuse to believe that ha- has happened until I've seen the film. <laughs> yeah, uh, Robert uh, Brown suggests that the Witch King has promised uh, to 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 give of the gems of the dwarves with both hands to the spiders for their help uh, in the battle. Um, I, I can, t- but he's probably going to withhold the Arkenstone. I bet uh, at the end, what about Robert. Spiders. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, spiders actually are. We saw them in movie one at Radagast's house. We saw them in movie two. That could be. They could be an army. I mean, oh, we're 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 leaving out the obvious choice here: hedgehogs. hedgehogs. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Then you get the, the no. So we bring in the spiders, and then get the you catastrophic army of hedgehogs, uh, which come in. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, I have to say. In terms of the logic of the films, Spiders makes the most sense. That is to say, when I think about... And by the logic of the films, I mean what has been best set up by the earlier films. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you're right, we have seen the Spiders, like, deployed as an invasion force in the case of Radagast's house. Um, We have clear reason to think that the Spiders are... Um, not just a side effect of the spread of darkness through Dol Guldur, but actually, like you know, agents of the spread of darkness through through not through Dol Guldur, through through Mirkwood. Um, they seem to be even more so than the orcs, the kind of agents on the ground of Sauron's creeping evil in Mirkwood. Um, this this seems to me plausible. Um, I don't like it, I would say. Um, I really don't... I don't know. Maybe I could be talked into it. Because here's the issue. As we were discussing last time, when we were talking about the Necromancer one of the fundamental things that is changed by doing The Hobbit from a post-Lord of the Rings standpoint is that we can't any longer have what we did have in the book, which is a bunch of independent episodes which don't really have any clear tie together. The bad guys did not have a unifying purpose in The Hobbit book. 
it was a series mm-hmm. of episodic adventures with various different forms of, you know, bad guys and forms of resistance. When you drop Sauron into the middle of this, and not just Sauron, but, you know, a Sauron in hiding who is, you know, formulating his strategies and whose plans are are now beginning to come to fruition um, and and preparing to move into the final stage. And that's exactly the situation we have when you when you when you add that to the mix you fundamentally change the dynamics of all the bad guys. So now, so now, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, Robert's sort of joking about Ungoliant and Morgoth, but yes, like we have Sauron right there in Mirkwood and all of these in, and all of these giant, you know, giant evil spiders would Sauron live in Mirkwood and not, you know, take advantage of the evil spiders. I think he might uh, do that. Um, you know, would the you know would there be a massive deployment of the vast majority of the goblin population of the Misty Mountains without his say so? No, there wouldn't be. At least that seems very very unlikely. Um, or at the very least, you could say um, it certainly seems enormously plausible uh, to imagine that he would have a say in that and that he would do a thing with it. So. Um, therefore, can I imagine the spiders being a, you know, a, a, a force deployed by Sauron? Yeah. What they would add to the Battle of Five Armies is that sense of the coordination from Morgan. You know, then it's not just a question of yes. like, and then the orcs are getting uppity and they're coming. This would be part of the sort of the master stroke reaching out from Mirkwood. Yes. Do, do you consider this likely? Do I consider it likely? Oh, yeah. It's it's one thing to say oh, I could see that. It's another thing to say I think they will do this. Yes. Well, I've decided to stop asking that question. <laughs> uh, and just say what I think would be cool. <laughs> I've, I've decided I'm 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 no I'm officially not going especially since I've been so uh, I have met with such ill success uh, over the last two years trying to guess what I think is likely so I've decided I'm going to stop even pretending to try to think of what is likely and just talk about what I think would be cool as a story awesome. so my, exactly it's not about what is, what is likely but what is awesome could just apply the George Costanza principle here and just figure decide what you think is likely and then and then you just say okay well that won't happen right right exactly but see I I feel like my my skills at prediction are not even so finely honed as that implies uh, so yeah um, I, I'm trying I'm kind of, you know I do wonder if we're overthinking things a bit like I, I'm I'm sort of inclined on the one hand I'm inclined to think that Peter Jackson will very carefully enumerate each army. I like maybe they'll even show up with placards with their number <laughs> on. <laughs> number badges, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're number three we're here. We made it. Number yep. three here yep. reporting. Um but I wonder if <laughs> I, going in the other direction, I wonder if we're overthinking. I wonder if, if maybe well, the title really inclines you to think that, but I kind of wonder if maybe he's just going to sort of like Tolkien just kind of gloss over the actual counting. And, right, and just kind of wave his hands at it. Yeah, we're just going to get the eagles, the the orcs, the the men, the goblins, and the um, and the elves. Um, right. 
So, uh, Dave, what, what you're suggesting is that we're not going to get a scene like in the Rankin Bass version where we have Bilbo like counting on his <laughs> fingers and laboriously enumerating the armies on the battlefield. Battle of five armies. That's yes. ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I really hope we do, of course. Oh, absolutely. I mean, don't we always hope for things to be just with, like the Rankin Bass? With Glenn Yarbrough, <laughs> we're in the background. I'm telling you, I bear so much ill will to Glenn Yarbrough. It's not even funny. I, I really, I really, I think need to repent of this. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's part of your charm. You know, you're a nice guy, but you have very <laughs> strong opinions about things. So you're not, you know, you're not wishy-washy. You're no, nice guy, that's not. true. That's true. I'm easily swayed, but I'm not with totally wishy-washy. Yeah, um, if we say Glenn Yarber to you, if we say Billy Connolly to you, so so far we've been Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, okay. Um, and now, I, Robert does point out uh, that uh, um, we could get goblins riding spiders to scale the mountain's shoulders, um, so we could have an actual tactical use for spiders in the uh, uh, in 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 the battle. That actually I really like the idea of of spiders as mounts. Yeah, but then they don't count as an army. <laughs> That's right. Well, they they could come separately and then sort of ally. You know, right? Like exactly. Operate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the spiders have been independently uh, established, right. you know, so. Yeah. 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 They seem to be an independent entity. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Dave, Brianna is of uh, is is in support of your idea um, that, uh, you know, she says, I have a feeling that uh, which army is which will remain just as vague as it was in the book. And we'll still be debating yeah, which possible. which armies are the five, uh, you know, uh, month after the film's release brianna's spoken yeah so there we go brianna now is that somebody who's good at predicting so uh uh, she's got the predicting skills i don't have so take her Um, seriously uh listeners yeah 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 um it's funny uh yana and uh and andrew mclaughlin made almost the same comment simultaneously uh which is that goblins riding spiders um happens an enormous number of times in Tolkien-based video games. Uh, and Andrew points out, uh, um, if goblins ride spiders, they'll probably have to be a lawsuit from Games Workshop, uh, you know, for, like, trademark infringement. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's 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 uh, that's certainly that's certainly possible. Um, but, it, it, you know, I, I mean, I'm not sure that that doesn't make it more plausible. I mean, clearly the idea is there. Um, and uh, and the thing is, I don't know. I don't know if it's something that will actually happen. Um, that is to say, I can easily. I I I I I have this feeling from listening to Peter Jackson talk that he would love this idea of goblins riding spiders. The only question mm-hmm. is like whether or not Philippa Boyens will convince will 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 be successful in talking him out of it. I don't know, um, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Mr. CGI, right? CGI for everyone. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I know. It's all mm. good. Um the uh Oh, the, I there was another 
topic I want. Oh yeah, uh, Justin had a, a uh, I think inspired by uh, Robert's uh, Morgoth and Ungoliant joke, um, was asking, you know, does Sauron have any interest in the newly powerful Arkenstone? And that's a really interesting question, um, especially in regards to what we were talking last talking about last week with like what exactly is Sauron's plan vis a vis the mountain. But um, but I don't know. I mean, it's going to depend upon what powers the Arkenstone actually has. We don't really know yet. Is he? Yeah, is he is Sauron plotting to 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 try and usurp the kingship? Right, exactly. Uh, is he is the is he going to actually hold some kind of sway over the dwarves? Uh, if he has, or at least prevent it from happening. Right. Or, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's um. There there seems to be something there, but I don't still don't get the uh, Arkenstone the film Arkenstone enough to really feel like I can, um, all right. Can, well then just that. go with whatever you think is cool. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good rule. That's, that's good, Dave. That's a good philosophy. I like that. Um, that seems to be our operating about, philosophy. So wasn't it, it was it either Thranduil when he was talking to Thorin or it was in the, uh, prologue in the movie one, wasn't there some inference that this Arkenstone conferred? I mean, it was a really broad influence, like like they like Thranduil paying homage to the king. Yes, you know they said. I mean, they made it sound like it was really a, a you know a, a gave the king a position of power, not just over the dwarves, but amongst other peoples, kind of thing. So it, it I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean yeah, that's right. that's what's so hard to to figure because in after the first film, I was I was very ready to understand the Arkenstone as being primarily a symbol, you know, and that it had importance because of what it meant uh, to Thror and to the dwarves, you know, that they're, that they were looking at as this sense of like, ah, this shows that I am meant to be king and that's great. But, um, but that it actually has some kind of magical power, some kind of potency. In fact, I don't, uh, you know that seems to be much more strongly suggested um, in the second film. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Okay, and here's my bad memory coming to the fore again. Did we? Did Smaug make a connection between the Arkenstone and Thorn's sickness, or did he not? Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Remember, he he tells Bilbo uh, that he's tempted to just let him take the um, right Arkenstone right. just to find out what happens. Right. That's right. right. But, it, but you know, that can be interpreted in several ways. But see, ways. the dragon, I mean, it's like Billy Connolly, right? I mean, he could have been just... Yeah, that's right. Yes. Stuff. We should take everything that the dragon says with a grain of salt. Because right. he doesn't... He, he may not... He, he probably hasn't even read the books. And... <laughs> is even higher than Cumberbatch Connolly on the list. <laughs> yeah, he's untrustworthy for entirely different reasons. Yes, yes. Um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't really feel like I have enough data on the Arkenstone to draw any real conclusions. I just hope we get some kind of resolution on this Arkenstone thing by movie three. I mean, I hope this is not something he just leaves us hanging. This, yeah, this dangling plot line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, I mean, it now gives scholars something they can mess with for years and years if he does leave it hanging. But still, I vote. For now him. that you've broached the possibility, Trish, now <laughs> I'm terrified. Oh no! Oh 
that, that sounds like exactly the sort of thing you would do, just in the cutting room or just decide, you know, you know, like given a choice between actually explaining what the deal was with the Arkenstone or three extra minutes of CGI battle, let's go with the battle. <laughs> Justin Crumley says, this just in, they've made Ben and a Cumberbatch the voice of the Arkenstone as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be good. That, that that would be good, Justin. I think because uh, he needs some he needs some more roles. You know, like can I play some more creepy disembodied things uh, in the film? So yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm looking at our notes, trying to decide sort of where what we should try to tackle in well, here. Well, I think maybe it's time to actually move towards the riddle. Yeah, maybe. Because here's what I, I still realize. have an outstanding question, though. Wait a minute. Oh, okay, Hold wait. On. All right, you have another question oh. before we get. And in, it may, in... it may, it may dovetail into the riddle. Okay, but the list of sort of where is everybody going to be? My biggest, my one of my biggest um, questions is: Will Bilbo actually still get conked on the head, or will he be taking an active part in the in the, in what's going on? But then you know, and also Gandalf. You know, is where is Gandalf going to be? I have a theory about that. So, kind of, where is everybody going to be? It could dovetail into a riddle. Yeah, that, that, I think that's a good, that's a fun topic. Do you, now, regarding Bilbo, do you want a speculation answer or a, um, uh, I heard this in a Martin Freeman interview answer? <laughs> I want to start with one and segue to two. Exactly, exactly. First, let us discuss what would be awesome, and then we can discuss what actually is happening. Then we can ruin it with what's probably going <laughs> to happen. Then we can, we can dash our hopes with reality. No, no, I'm just sometimes okay. the reality is okay, too. But, um, but yes, yes. So, so what do you think it would be awesome, first of all? Now, I, 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 I can't imagine. I want him conscious the whole time. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't imagine it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Tolkien clearly has very little interest in describing the battle blow for blow. Indeed, the Battle of Five Armies is one of the most tactically detailed battles we get in Tolkien. Um, it, you know, you think about the descriptions of some of the other battles that we get. Um, sometimes they happen off stage entirely, you know, and we just hear that they have happened. Um, it's relatively un- Tolkien does not show that much interest in depicting tactics. Unlike, say, for instance, George R. R. Martin. If you like uh, battlefield tactics and strategy, then you will like Martin and his battles because Martin is very interested in that and gives a lot of details about the, you know, the 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 deployment of troops and and you know which units are facing off against which other units and how you know what moves and decisions by the captains um you know uh determines the outcome of the battle and all that stuff um the ankle deep pool of blood exactly Tol- uh, 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 tolkien much less concerned uh, about those things he just does not seem to be nearly so interested um in that kind of uh, in that kind of detail which is fine. It's a different thing. But um, uh, the Battle of Five Arms... So, so Bilbo's role, you know, he's an observer. 
for part of the battle, and he gives the overall in, enough to give us the overall narrative trend of the battle. How um, you know there's this there's this valiant defense, and they're being swarmed under, and then it looks like things might you know they might be able to hold out, but then the goblins come over the shoulders of the mountain from the other side, and they're being attacked from the rear and and more importantly above them, and uh, you know and so now it looks like they're all certainly going to lose and die. Um, and then the eagles come, and then he is knocked unconscious. So the uh, Bilbo's role is again, you know, he he doesn't ever do anything. We have no evidence that Bilbo lifts a hand and ever strikes a blow against a goblin in the book. Um, you know, there's he he talks about taking his stand with the elves, um, but uh, it doesn't. It's it's pretty clear that that's pretty abstract uh, uh, on his part. Um, I can't imagine Bilbo being knocked unconscious and missing the majority of the battle, certainly missing the climax of the battle. Um, you know, and I think in particular, I sure hope not because I mean, this movie is called the Hobbit. It should probably be called the freaking Hobbit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So, I mean, I hope we see him. I think be, we will see know, Bilbo. Yeah, conscious and valorous in the movie, in the third movie. Well, I think, I think, in particular, of the end of the first film, you know, and his fight with the goblins and right. him saving Thorin's life. You know, I think right. that that was clearly a foretaste of what we can expect to see later on. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, that that seems to me an entirely an entirely plausible um, So we'll see him kicking some orc butt in the, in the third movie. Yeah, I would also think that he's going to be more centrally involved. Um, you know, I think that the people's complaints about, uh, about you know, Bilbo being so much on the, uh, on the edges of film two, you mm-hmm. know, and not the central concern, I think is likely from the point of view of the trilogy of, of as a whole to, to, to not be a trend, you know, that, that seems to be what alarms people that, uh, you know, there was lots of Bilbo in film one, but still lots of other people too. And then, you know, the arrow doesn't seem to be pointed in a positive direction. You know, it's like now there's much right. less of him in film two. Is he even going to show up for film three? You know, but I don't think we're going to see that kind of a, of a, of a straight line at all. I think that, you know, he's going to be much more prominent at the end as he was prominent at the beginning. Um, and in the middle, you know, it's just, he just, he just doesn't have a, a big role in the stuff that happens in the middle, you know, because he, he's okay. sort of along for the ride and he does some things and some things happen to him. And, uh, and, and he, you know, he plays a part like the, in the opening of the secret door, but, but the central part of the, of the story is not about him. It's about the return of the King to the mountain. And mm-hmm. once that happens as you know, the resolution of things, the thief in the night section, whatever happens in the battle, his return home at the end are going to be, much more, fo- you know, we, we can expect them, I think, to be much more focused on him. So I would expect to get more Bilbo in the third film. And yeah. therefore, not for him not to be unconscious a great deal of time. A great deal of time. Okay, Dave, lay it on us. What has Freeman said in oh. an interview? Oh, he, just that we would see Bilbo be, be extremely brave during the Battle of Fire. Oh. Race, which I think so there you go. It's a good yeah, thing we I didn't make that into a riddle. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think, um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think he would describe being knocked out at the very beginning and missing <laughs> as being very brave. <laughs> yeah. But he might have handled it very bravely, you know. It, it's, <laughs> it's true. So, like you know, like and, the headache and the concussion, he'd be, you know, stoic. 
And nothing. Yeah, that's right. He would be. He he wouldn't be moaning and rolling around, clutching his head like <laughs> right. a, like, like a, a, a Bakshi, uh... like a Brazilian World Cup soccer team. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Now, uh, other folks on our list, and this this actually does, I think, point a bit toward our riddle. Is I have seen a still photo of Gandalf talking to Legolas and Bard in the ruins of Dale. Hmm. Gandalf talking to maybe it's in the reconstruction phase. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it could be post battle, right? Yeah, That's yeah. Maybe the conversation they're having is, uh, you know, like, and I think you should build your new city hall right over there, Bard, and Legolas being like, yes, and plant some lovely trees. Maybe and that's be sure the to get three. Make sure you get three quotes from contractors before you make. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's probably it's probably the conversation that they're having. I wonder if we'll yeah maybe maybe we'll get an anticipation of um uh of you know Legolas and Gimli helping to rebuild Minas Tirith. We'll, exactly. We'll like... Exactly. Just what I was thinking. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And Dale was reconstructed fairer than ever before. I think we'll see uh, Bard's son playing with Gimli. Yeah, oh, yeah, that would be cool. Right. That would be cool. Yeah. Except Gimli's <laughs> presumably far away. But, hey, what difference oh, does that he? make? Oh, that's right. He's you know, he can, he can, it's, it's only going to take well, him about aftermath. five days or so, right, to get... If it's a, that's right. But if it's an epilogue, you know... We're exactly, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, an epilogue. <laughs> uh, that'd be good. Um, um, anyway, so there was that picture, which could, you know, which actually I'd rather have it be during Reconstruction, but it's possible. That's, that's interesting. to them. Uh, he so, may say he may be saying the orcs are coming. The orcs are coming. You nah. know, stop this stupid. Fight. Oh no, 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 no. I mean, very it unlikely. Does, it does bring up a question of how what will be the timing of Gandalf's arrival? Like you know, given given that he still he still needs to be rescued from um, from that little cage in Dol Guldur. Um, and then, and Legolas, of course, last we saw, was riding in the opposite direction of where he right. is standing in that shot. <laughs> so how does he get there? <laughs> um, it is very now, interesting. In the book, in the book, it's Gandalf, right? Isn't it Gandalf who who helps kind of dispel the three armies? Um... Oh yeah, yeah, um, very very much so. Um, that is. Um, um, that is totally how it happens uh, in the uh, in the book. Um, well, then for sure Jackson won't do it that way. <laughs> oh, that's not true. <laughs> so come now, let's not be let's not be too cynical about this. Uh, no reason to think that he's simply like setting out uh, to deviate from the book as a principle. Um, uh, no, no, no. Um, well, this is this this really. You know the the question of how are they going to find out about the goblin army and and I would say more importantly how are they going to be how are they going to um, how is the news going to be brought to them what's going to ha- what is going to change I mean I'm assuming I'm assuming and I, I I it sounds like we are all assuming similarly that at the end of the day we are in fact going to have the dwarves, elves, and men fighting together as allies, and that the friendship of their kingdoms at the end right. of the film is going to follow from their right. alliance during the battle. That that fundamental principle 
is likely going to be continued. I know that I'm assuming that that's what's going to happen, that we are not, in fact, going to get, uh, you know, just about, you know, elves and dwarves on opposite sides of the battle permanently. Um, so... Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, it could, in theory, it could happen similar to the uh, chase along the river scene, where they're they're definitely not allied, but they're fighting independently against the same enemy. Right, 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 exactly. I mean, in fact, see, that is another interesting setup, right? And we were even talking about that, you know, with the river scene, with the action sequences during the river scene, um, especially that exchange between Legolas and Thorin, that is the exchange of when each of them saves the other's life um, during that exchange. Um, seems to be, you know, a setup for the Battle of Five Armies at the end. So yes, it is possible that um, they could all be fighting the goblins, but, I mean, we have already had a little preview, right? That is, a preview of a moment when elves and dwarves were coming to blows. And then, all of a sudden, a force of goblins shows up, and suddenly the elves and dwarves are now have now ceased to fight each other and are now fighting the goblins that in fact you know so the barrel ride sequence in film two has become a little you know sneak peek preview of the battle of five armies in that way so i do assume that that's more or less the thing that's going to happen you're right dave that we don't have to necessarily assume that this means everyone's going to be the best of friends afterwards but um or that they're going to be actively allied um, they'll be allied that they'll be during the fight, know, yeah, prospectively allied. Yes, exactly. Arranged for, but I'm pretty sure that because that'll be a pretty cool scene seeing um, Bard and Diane and Thranduil and Legolas and Gandalf drawing up battle plans. I, I think that's oh, wait a, a minute. scene. That's... Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Oh. Back up! Back up! Just back a little up? bit, okay? okay? Well, back just a little bit, but I think it's it's pertinent to the where is everybody think. I'm assuming that Thorin and the folks who fought the dragon in the mountain are going to be holed up in the mountain. What mm-hmm. about the dwarves? And I know we've talked about this before. The dwarves from Lake Town are the dwarves from Lake Town are going to be outside Erebor, or they will, ha- or will they have made it into Erebor before all this starts? Oh, that, that's a very good question. Thank you, Dave. Yes. You're After all, you did say that I'm smart and brilliant. So yes, <laughs> and I meant it. <laughs> You know, we've talked about it sort of, you know, in passing in other episodes, and I just, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, they may have taken off after the dragon got killed and, you know, went up to Erebor saying, we need to get up there because we, you know, everybody might be dead. We need to see what happened to Thorne and everybody. So they may have, like, advanced before anybody else starts out for Erebor, Right. Mm-hmm. I think maybe hostages. Yeah, basically, I think unless they're actually going to be hostages, like unless they're going to actually be tied up, they're going to be back in Erebor. You think so? Yeah, I would think so. And, and why? And the thing is, why would they be hostages? I mean, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that Bard and Thranduil will both, both be assuming that the the dwarves have bought in Erebor have bought the farm. Basically, I mean, they're yes. not, why would they have hostages? Because right. Well. Uh, maybe because because even if they think the dwarves have bought the farm, maybe they decide. Well, we don't. Let's let's not turn any other dwarves loose in the mountains. <laughs> I, I actually, I really think, I think, I think they might be. I think they're going to be hostages. Maybe not in chains and fetters, but I, I think that they're going to be 
um, restrained. I think they're going to be told, "You will stay here with us." Mm-hmm. No, we're not going. And you know, and sort of like, and then everybody starts fingering their the all the elves start start fingering the hilts of their swords and like, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, we'll uh, we'll stay right here. Now, I mean, see, I, I'm still. I, I, I realize uh, that could happen, but it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, why would they take the dwarves to Erebor with them if what they want to do is go get? I mean, I would put them under guard and leave them in Lake Town, but that's. Not... Oh, because they need guides to the mountain. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Feely and Killy, who have never even seen Erebor, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But... Is. And, and it's not like you could miss it. And we already know it's like the <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 I love that idea. Okay, now you just guys have to point out this mountain to us, you know, because we can't find it I on our own. how to get there, even though we know you've never been there before or seen it until now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Where's, okay, where is, take us to the mountain. It's, it's literally right over it's, there. It's right. <laughs> right. Don't, yeah. don't mess around with us. Yeah. Okay, we shall... <laughs> We shall reveal the secret of Erebor. It's right there. You can see it from here, quite plainly. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't really think so. But um, it would make sense still for them to ransom them because they know, or not to ransom them, but for them to hold them as hostage and possibly ransom them later because they they know that even if Thorin is dead, there are other dwarves around and the other dwarves are going to hear about the death of the dragon because they may even know about the extremely efficient Raven communication network that the dwarves have going on. So, um, um, the legend of Roach might in fact have been transmitted to them already. (laughs) Plus I could see maybe Bard, not, not so much caring about whether they're hostages or not, but Thranduil saying you cannot trust them. Well, that's true. And also, also from Thranduil's standpoint, this is recapturing prisoners, right? Oh, that's true. That, he could say that they're my prisoners, right? That yeah. of course does happen in the book, right? You know, when they that's when right. they show up in Lake Town, the right. the raftmen of the elves are saying, "Hey, these are escaped, you know, uh, prisoners of our king." Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, but again, he, I, I, he knows other dwarves are going to come. And so if he ha- especially if he finds out that Feely is the heir, um, you know, then he's got good yeah. leverage against any other dwarves that show up. Yes. Now, are you so are you changing your mind, Corey? No. <laughs> I'm just explaining why he would keep them captive. I, I even think that he might try, but I don't think he's going to succeed. I mean, again, I, I think that unless they're actually tied up, um, and even then, I'm not even sure that they would be. In fact, wouldn't uh, – no, I, I think no matter what, I expect them to be back in the mountain. I expect Feely and Kiwi to be with Thorin um, in the battle because I um, I think that if they are not tied up, they're going to go. And if they are tied up – I think that I could easily imagine Toriel setting them free. So, uh, yes, and in fact, there's there's a kind of symmetry to that that's kind of lovely. That is, Bilbo coming crossing the lines and coming over and and giving them the Arkenstone, and Toriel kind of crossing the lines and sending them back their prisoners. Um, right. You know, both for her own personal reasons, you know, because Kiwi's awfully cute, and 
Um, just because like she believes it's the right thing to do. I mean, I, I, I could see Toriel's character from what we've learned of her in film too, doing that for various reasons. Um, well, and again, know, as I said, I kind of like the symmetry of that. So and actually we may have just pinpointed Bilbo's purpose in bringing the Arkenstone to them. If he sees that they're hostages, I it mean, could be an actual hostage exchange. Yes. But, yes. But, but Thorin wouldn't have agreed to it. I mean, no. Bilbo's doing this. Right. That is possible. I... I mean, Thorin is in the grip of dragon sickness, so he'd say, no, just leave them. We're not, I'm not giving you the Arkenstone. I don't Maybe. even know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Or, I, again, especially if there still is... See, again, this is where we come to the wild card of the utility of the Arkenstone and not knowing what it is, right? I mean, if, uh, um, if it is, in fact... No, I can't exactly see Thorin saying, I think the Arkenstone is so beautiful and so shiny, I value it more than my kin. Like, that would be that would be hard but to I swallow. Could, but you could see him saying, we don't need to ransom them. With, now that I have the Arkenstone, I command the, the dwarves, right. Dine's right. on his way, we'll take them by force. Right, right. exactly. And and also even saying, you know, in a, in a further development of the conversation he had with Feely, um, in the boat, you know, before they left Lake Town and Feely refused to come, saying, look, if we give up the Arkenstone, then that means the failure of this entire mission and the, and the, and the failure of the kingdom. Like, the reestablishment yes. of the kingdom has I to come... It's, it, it has to come first. I can't sacrifice that even for my own kin. Right. I will not, I will not threaten this mission for the sake of one dwarf. Exactly. Which exactly. We have him on record saying that <laughs> is his operating principle. So. Exactly. So for that reason, if, 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 if in fact having the Arkenstone is of, um, is not of merely symbolic importance and is not merely an issue of covetous, but rather, um, of utility, um, as it appears to be, based on what they said in film two, then I can easily see him saying that for that reason, you know, we're not going to exchange it for for the prisoners. I, 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 this does not meet my uh, standards of awesomeness, I have to say. Like, I, I don't like the idea of Bilbo ransoming the Arkenstone, or using the Arkenstone as, as, as ransom for the prisoners. Hmm. Um, I would strongly dislike that. Um, hmm. Because I think it's too cheap. I think it's too... It cheapens what Bilbo is doing. It cheapens Bilbo's sacrifice. The fact that Bilbo's gesture is unilateral, that everybody else is hostile and moving towards battle, and Bilbo alone has this impulse, unprompted by any external force, um, uh, this, this impulse to say, okay people i'm going to do the gen- i'm going to be the only one on either side doing the generous and open-handed thing here um and mm-hmm. making the solo unprompted initiative towards friendship and alliance and generosity um, remember how he chides uh the uh, the the elven king and bard for being so suspicious, right? Uh, again, yes. Bilbo is the only one who is not operating in that spirit, who's not operating in the spirit of like suspicion and like default enmity, right? So if Bilbo's surrendering of the Arkenstone is merely succumbing to the demands of his enemies, um, I think it really, really cheapens the gesture oh, of him well, giving oh, well, over the Arkenstone. Well, what if it's what if it's just sort of rolled all into one thing? What if they're not actually saying, um, "Give us the Arkenstone, or else we'll." 
and killed our hostages? What if they they've just said we have hostages, surrender the mountain, blah blah blah, and it basically boil it, it it you know that that essentially saving the hostages and preventing um, battle are kind of kind of, he's accomplishing both in in the same goal. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, it, what if you kind of roll it together? That's a little better. I mean, if if the idea of exchanging them is, you know, again, his own unilateral idea and him trying to bridge the gap where other people are not bridging the gap, um, it's better. But I still don't... I still think it's cheaper in the sense that it, it lowers Bilbo's goal. Bilbo's mm-hmm. goal in the book is to make a step towards establishing, you know, peace and trust between these people who should be allies, um, Mm -hmm. between the dwarves and the elves and the humans. If his goal is merely to save the life, or not even save the life, because it's not like they're threatening them with death. I mean, presumably, Thranduil and the elves aren't standing there with, like, you know, bared swords saying, we're going to decapitate them right here and now if you don't succumb to our demands. Um, I mean, uh, they're prisoners, yes, but anyway, I, 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 it's not like they're being carried off by an army of dwarves to, like, to a future of torture and certain death in Isengard, for instance. I uh, just decided to cite a random example. Um, so uh, they... Anyway, it's... Sarcastic again. Sarcastic again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, uh, they... Um, so, so, so again, I, I would still think that it cheapens it somewhat. If his only goal is, I want to set my friends free... Then Bilbo's no, goal is much lower. Not his only goal. Yeah. What if it's just yeah. sort of part of it? Part yeah, of it. It, it could what be. If he, what I mean, if he goes down he there with the thing? He doesn't like the direction things are taking. Uh, so not only does he want to try to stop that, stop the hostilities from going any further, but also, by yeah. the way, free my friends. What if he goes down there and he says, "All right, look, here's the Arkenstone. Um, this is what." Uh, Thorin values more than anything. If you guys want treasure, you can trade with this. And then also, you need to let your hostages go. Um, right. I, I, so I, he I just sort of suggests it as an act of reciprocity, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Although, although honestly, I think I prefer the idea of of um, I think I prefer the idea of uh, of um, Tariel doing it as sort of a, an independent. Act of yeah. reciprocity. Yeah, that's, Gerald, Gerald, yeah. Gerald Michael actually does make a good point of. I think we actually have talked about this in the siege section, in the siege episodes. But I mean, can we talk about this enough? I don't know. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, it's it, it, this is uh, 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 your fault, uh, Trish, because you it brought it up. I I almost didn't bring up what Gerald said because I was aware of that fact. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You know, we have talked about this some, but um, but it is where is everybody? You know, when the when this you know when this action begins. Yeah, exactly. So my, you know, I'm just kind of wondering where the where those extra dwarves are going to be. I I do remember Boyan's. I think it was Boyan's saying something about that. Beaufort is going to be having some kind of moment of glory in movie three, but I don't remember if that was uh, attached to Lake Town or the battle itself. So. He's just going to break another table. <laughs> or fall asleep under another one. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Over, over picks a lock, Kate says. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. So um, um, I, I, so, but Corey, you, you are, you are in general, you don't like the idea of hostages. Well, it's all right, but, uh, but no, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge fan. I kind of, uh, I, I kind of think they're going to escape, or at least not, not long term. What I really dislike is the idea of the transfer of the Arkenstone simply being part of a hostage exchange. That's what I don't like. I mean, uh, I think that that's too, um, you know, in ways that I was explaining, too limited. Um, do you, do you, can you imagine it at all? The, the, the dwarf sort of, uh, you know, Keeling, Feely, and those guys starting as kind of, you know, uh, um, you know, pseudo hostages, like, you know, you're coming to the mountain with us and you're not allowed to just leave and go enter the mountain yourselves, but them being sympathetic toward the men and the elves, having just witnessed what they went through and, and, and Thorin, Thorin left them behind. So they're resentful about that. Can you imagine them at all possibly sort of being, you know, my, my, uh, my third faction theory that there's Mm going to be this like third faction of people that are going to be like, you know, not on the side of the elves and the men, um, and including some elves and men like Tariel, maybe Legolas and stuff. But the people who are who are like Bilbo, trying to mediate, find a find sort of a middle road. Um, right. Uh, that that Thorin's going to look and say, "Ah, oh, they've betrayed me." Right. Right. I, I kind of there's part of me that kind of thinks that that they might even be they may not even be fully hostages that they might actually be sort of. Coming along peaceably and right. And See now that I kind of like, you know, I, I th- this um, um, this I don't have a this I don't have a difficulty with. Um, mm. I, I find that much more interesting than the um, merely the the hostage crisis thing, um, because I do think because you're right, we do have a, a third faction developing that. Like basically, that's that to me is why I didn't object to the Kiwi Toriel relationship because that seems to me exactly the direction in which that goes. Um, you know, yeah. to create that like Kiwi and Toriel become the third faction. You know, they become the yeah. core of it. And 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 that I could see basically Bilbo joining it. It does mean that right. Bilbo is no longer quite so alone and singular as the book leads us to believe he is, right? Um so it decreases Bilbo's uh heroism in, you know, in, in the way defying. in which, right, he is sort of countercultural uh, to everything else going on around him in the book. But, you know, that's... But I don't think they've been... I don't think that's been... They haven't really been building building toward that in the film anyway. Right, right. What they've been, what they've been building t- toward is a much more modern sort of complicated gray areas, you know, different different factions type thing. Well, and a bigger story with more characters, too. I mean, this is, again, yeah. this kind of thing has been almost inevitable ever since the rest of the dwarves were made into real people, right? And again, and I, <laughs> I say that, I mean, and I say that flippantly, but of course it's something we were observing from the beginning of season one, that the yes. way that the dwarves when differentiated... We were looking at photos and Exactly, stuff. just looking at photos of the dwarves. Um, you know, that Tolkien makes makes a really good story out of the dwarves, but one of the ways he does that is to make most of them faceless. They are just, they're just a crowd, um, and that's okay. It works really well in the story, but uh, but the film has gone in a different direction, very understandably, and I think almost inescapably. Um, 
and uh, and I'm I'm glad that it did so instead of just cutting the other dwarves as we've been saying for a long time. So um so no the fact that we have so many more characters um who are developed and and active than the book had um does suggest that it's going to be hard for Bilbo to be com- completely on his own in that way. So I'm fine with that. That's all right. Um but uh um uh but yeah, so so I think it's um um it's all that's all. Uh, that's all a good thing. Um, okay, I, now we can move on to the riddle. <laughs> okay, now we can move on to the riddle. Excellent, excellent. Um, okay, uh, the I riddle guess. is the riddle is about the beginning. Uh, you know, basically how the Battle of Five Armies breaks out again in the book. So let's. Should I put it up? Do you want me to put it up? Um, sure, go ahead. Recap the book answer, of course. You will recall we've got the three armies charging towards each other, right? Dan and Bard and the Elven King. Um, and then Gandalf pops up in the middle and says, Stop, everybody! The goblins are here! And, you know, and then he calls the captains over, right? Dan and Thranduil and Bard all come to him, and they have a little powwow, and they have just a couple minutes to establish their, their, their tactical approach and to deploy themselves in the mountain before the goblins come. Um... So the question is, how is that battle going to begin in the Now, film? I want to acknowledge that GoToMeeting hacked off the ends of the answers, but we can... We can <laughs> Oops. Yes. Oops, okay. <laughs> I, I forgot I have a limited number of... Of characters? Of characters yes, but, okay. Yeah. Um, so yes, the allies are about... So, 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 okay, so the question is, how does the battle between the goblins and the three allied peoples begin? So the book answer, the allies are about to fight when Gandalf stops them, and then they, and then they, they turn and brace for the orcs' approach. Um, B, the allies are about to fight, and they're stopped by somebody, but it's not Gandalf. Um, by someone else. Um, C, the allies are about to fight... Um, sorry, Trish, can you... you mind, I need but they, your hear the arri- they hear the arrival of the, or- the orcs. Right, okay, so, so yes. So yeah, so there. So basically, nobody stops it. There isn't anybody who who like calls a stop to right. the battle. They just like the the, the 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 goblins just kind of come in and attack um, in the middle of them about to fight. So it, it's merely the arrival. So there is no central figure at all. D. Right. The allies start fighting and the orcs attack in the middle. So we have actual battle engaged. So this is you know. Um, bloodshed is happening between the, this is, you know, the scenario that we were talking about earlier where the battle actually right. proceeds um, and then ch- changes. So we have the orcs doing a sneak attack in the middle of the fight. And then uh, E, there's never a threat of the battle between the three. So we just like that, that doesn't even happen. Um, now, one way in which I could see E occurring would be if they are warned well in advance of the attack of the, of the approach of the goblin army. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know the entire th- that whole idea of them coming near to blows themselves and you know about to blithely start a battle with the three of them unaware of the fact that the goblins their mutual enemies are all coming to attack. Obviously, it's not going to happen if they know two day you know two three days in advance that the goblins are are coming. Well, and actually, that could be one of the reasons why they do go to Erebor, the men and elves, if they get advance warning that the orcs are on their way to Erebor. Wouldn't that be, don't you think, a reason why Thranduil would muster his forces and go to Erebor if he knows the orcs are marching that way? Or, or, um, or maybe not. He's kind well, of closed more. In a related, in a related idea, that one of the things that we speculated, I think it was last time. Um, what if, what if the orcs' first target is 
Thranduil's kingdom, yeah. and they are refugees running from them. Um, see, yeah, I, like the, I actually like the idea of Thranduil hearing that the orcs are, the dragon's dead, the orcs are on the mountain, and he goes, they're not going to get my necklace! <laughs> okay, get that, my that answers my question. That, that, that answers my question, uh, 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 Trish, because my question was going to be, why would Thranduil do that? He's all about, he's, he's Mr. Like, I don't care what happens right. to anyone around us, I'm just going right. to hunker down here. So, um, so the answer would be yes. By God, those, those goblins are not going to end up with my, with my, necklace. my, my necklace. Yeah. My jewels. Mm. That's which if, if it's a Thingol Silmaril comparison or analogy, I should say analogous to the Thingol yeah. Silmaril thing, you could see that being a, 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 a you know, I'm skeptical. I know. Uh, I, I think, I think if they have, I really, I really don't think it will work well with them having advanced warning, um, unless it's unless it's something like them being on the run from the the orcs, and also in the, you know, and this of course uh, we shouldn't backtrack too much, but this dovetails with the idea of why on earth would the orcs be going to the mountain in the first place? Right. They basically, have no reason to go there right. until right. we have, they have no reason to go there until the dragon's dead. And as far as we can tell, they have already started marching somewhere. Before, well, I think well oh, it might have been. Happened. I might have been in our. Was it last time or the one where Dave wasn't? It was where last we posited time. that it could be the uh, the train. You know, a training exercise. You know, we're going to yes, go. Yeah, they're actually not going anywhere. Yes, <laughs> they're going. Um, no, they're going to Erebor as like a training. You know, it's like an in field training kind of thing. Do you do you think if they have advanced warning, does this uh, does this kind of you know, is would this if they have advanced warning? Is this Peter Jackson saying we're not going to do the U catastrophic? Um, you know, uh, like would this screw up the battle of three armies? Like to have them, let's say, let's say, assume for now the elves are on the run because the giant orc army took over Mirkwood and you really and like that scenario, don't you, Dave? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, we, we like proposed it, and then Corey like. Gave a like a a, a um, passionate sort of like oh I really like that idea and so it's latched into my imagination but uh... but also it just seems plausible to me so let's assume they do that so the elves the elves get driven out of Mirkwood and they flee to the mountain um, uh, and they arrive and then they you know and the dwarves are saying well we're not going to let you in we're not going to help you etc and they also you know the the refugee elves show up and find the refugee lake men who have nothing and they're they're all desperate right um, and meanwhile there's Thorin standing smugly at the gate saying who's the refugee yeah. now huh right huh? so so how does I it mean, feel mr mr thranduil I guess neener, you know, I guess neener, this neener, neener. I guess this could work. They show up and they say, "All right, we need your help. Let us in." Um, no, I'm not going to. And there's a uh, dwarf army at your back. All right, we're going to fight them. Oh crap! The orc army caught up to us. Well, I, I don't know. It does it does diminish the the U catastrophe a little bit. I think. Um, you, you know, I mean, to right. have them be like, to have them be like. There's a bigger, badder, worse enemy out there, the orc army that drove us out, but we're going to fight you. Any- oh, crap, the orc army's here. All right, well. Yes, no, like, I agree. To, I, would I see them after, at the end of the battle? Like, what would be... I could see them saying, okay, well, we should work together to defeat the orcs, but we'll settle this afterward. Like, what? where would the change of heart come? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. That would be... That, that, that would be unsatisfying for that reason. And it would make... I mean, Thorin, 
in the book, goodness knows, Thorin at the gate is pretty unsympathetic. You know, I mean, it's it's not like um, the book prompts us to have enormous sympathy with Thorin's position. A limited amount of sympathy, but 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 not an enormous amount of sympathy. Um, mm-hmm. However, if that were to happen, I mean, if the if the if the elves were to show up as refugees, you can certainly imagine Thorin, you know, feeling like there's a that it's time for a for 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 a bit of smug turnabout there. But if they show up with an orc army behind them, like the orcs just sacked our land and they're coming for yours, and Thorin's like, oh, I'm going to fight you, like that. Uh, <sighs> You know, fine, I'm going to slaughter you while you're weak. I, I, I just that's way beyond the pale of, uh, of you know, Thorin. Yeah, they will. They will. Yeah, if the elves show up and like, uh, hey, the the orcs are coming. Um, you know, we why don't you let us in? We'll work together. And Thorin's like, no, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No death to you first. Um, uh, yeah, no, that I think goes a little far, far uh, in, in that in that direction. So yeah, for that reason, I can't because. You're right, Dave. It would it would totally undermine that. Even if, even if there's, um, um, you know, basically they exchange bitter words and thorns like, yeah, how does it feel to be a refugee, you jerk? Like, I hope you, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I I'm enjoying seeing you suffer in this way, and then have the orcs show up and then like, okay, well, I guess we have to fight together against the orcs. But then, yeah, afterwards, th- there's no resolution to that. You know, there's no clear. You know, and now things are okay. You know, at the end unless, of that, it's unless unless something happens during the course of the unless the elves are like, well, Thorin's dead now, so we can be peace, right? <laughs> right, or, or less cynically, something <laughs> they give us enough story development during the the battle. More right. more of these Legolas saving Thorin, Thorin saving whoever, whoever saying whoever. That, right, that, that, right. You know, in meaningful glances and words exchanged that they say, like, all right, well, and this is all over. Maybe we can sit down and have a, a, a peaceable conversation and, and work this out through diplomacy. Right, um, right. But I, I don't think that works as well. It's so much more powerful when it's, when it's, when it's you know, when, when what it is, is is them close to coming to blows over trivial things like treasure and and. Um, and, and setting things to rights, and then being reminded there's a much bigger, there, you know, what are we thinking? We're nuts. There's much bigger things going on here. Um, right. But the issue, but you know, of course, the problem with that is they don't know necessarily yet that there's an orc army on its way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they already know this is the case. They've been the elves, at least, have been warned. Right. Right. They've been told, uh, you know, like, hey, there's a darkness and blah blah blah, and war and death are coming for you. And they all, and and whether even if they pretend not to, to even if they refuse to admit it, they know well what that means. You know, like yes. it was obvious on Thranduil's face, he yes. knew exactly what that that guy was talking about. Yeah, so, he didn't want to hear it, but yes, yes, yep. But I, I guess it could still work. But it's definitely they definitely things are changed. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, Timothy asked, "The difference between C and D is basically whether there's fighting or not." Exactly, right? exactly. So, like, basically, A and B are—they're about to fight, and somebody stops them. Somebody intervenes. To, you know, some ally, good guy, intervenes to stop them from fighting. A is if it's Gandalf. That's the book answer. B is if it's the same kind of thing happens, but it isn't Gandalf. You know, somebody else calls them to their senses. And by the way, I would accept personally, I would accept as as either A or B if um, like they don't have to necessarily be like charging across the field with weapons raised like they are in the books. I could imagine, you know, like 
them standing there in arms and like tensions running really high and it looks like this is this is headed towards battle when suddenly somebody comes and says the you know the orcs are here um uh, i would still accept that as an a or b answer depending on whether it was gandalf or somebody else um right. c and d are kind of grouped together right 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 d, d is literally like dwarves have hacked down elves elves yes, have hacked yes. down dwarves and then an and then somebody sees an or somebody you know like there's a dwarf fighting an elf and then the elf falls with a black feathered arrow in his back and the and the dwarf's like uh-oh that doesn't look like a that doesn't right. look like a dwarf arrow <laughs> right right exactly exactly yep 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 c and d are 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 both of them they are associated together in the sense that in both c and d nobody warns them this the orcs just come upon them and uh and they suddenly are swept into battle with the orcs essentially without the intervention or the warning of anybody, um, and um, and and again, the the difference between C and D is: do they fight first? Do the orcs come before they can start fighting with each other, or after their battle has been engaged? And then, um, uh, yeah, uh, Tom says uh, C is like the horns of Rohan at cockcrow. Um, uh, yes, kind of like that. Yes, um, uh, and then E is just. You know that, that that whole situation gets uh, gets rerouted in some other direction. You know that there isn't um, there isn't that moment of standoff, either of battle or of near battle standoff among the three armies. Um, and as I said, to me, the most likely e scenario would be they have significant advanced warning. If uh, if 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 Trish's theory about Legolas coming back to warn them that the goblins are coming happens. <laughs> That could mean that Legolas could serve as the as the warner in you know a, a B answer. Um, you know we could have them about to fight, and then Legolas comes riding in and says, "Holy cow! I've just been towards Dol Guldur and back in five minutes, and I saw a bunch <laughs> of goblins uh, coming." So uh, Legolas could conceivably play that role, in which case it would be B. Or if he shows up early, you know, if he comes and he says, "You you know we have you know." Th- th- their army is going to be here tomorrow. Um, you know, we must prepare then, you know, and then they, they, you know, parley with Thorin or whatever, you know, I, that would be E that there's never an imminent threat. Perhaps we should put the word imminent into E. Um, because it doesn't mean E doesn't mean that everyone's going to be f- you know fun and friendly from the beginning, you know, but, okay. uh, that just that, that battle is not imminent. It neither yeah, happens nor no, is imminent. You no, put it no. in already. Did I say imminent yes. in my original thing? No, I just added it. Oh. He just added it. Dave oh, added it on the script, yeah, so it'll good. go on. It'll go on the. Um, you know, it'll go um, on. The, 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 yeah. So, so basically, side. this this just this doesn't mean that they're that they are that they they're not at odds, but that from the very beginning they know there's pointless to bet to fight each other at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not really on the table. Now, Timothy points out that of course, in theory, a and B could also have two other alternatives, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, th- that is D alternatives that the battle actually breaks out. And then there's somebody stops the battle between them. We'll just, we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll just roll those into a and B. The allies are about to fight or fighting when Gandalf stops them. As opposed to adding F and G. <laughs> right. Right. 
Um, yeah. My, my, my hesitation is that them fighting is not the... It's not the book answer. If we want a purist book answer, we need to stick with A, as it is. Well, they were running at each other. They were. Shots were fired, so, you know, you could say that they were fighting. You know, arrows had flown. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the differentiating thing, the differentiating thing is not sort of the extent to which the battle has progressed, but rather A is book answer. Gandalf stops them, um, right. um, you know, stops the 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 uh, the, the the three army battle. Um, B is is A except just somebody else. C is C and D are are nobody. No one person war, uh, warns them, but rather um, they get news via some other route. They just you know, somebody Either turns around and them sees them. They get killed by an orc. One of the yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. A, a and B are sort of. A and B are sort of. Somebody warns them, and right. and not because somebody warns them, and not because you know, and not by saying, "Look over my shoulder. There's an orc army." <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Right. It's like they're on their way. Uh, you you can't see them yet, but you will very soon, sort of thing. C and D are like literally. Uh, you know, C or D would be somebody saying, "Stop! There's an orc army on its way. Where is it?" Right there, right, right, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's that's it's it's the distinction between the A and B answers and the C and D answers. That is, somebody warning them and them not being warned. Um, yes. That might seem like a, a sort of a fine distinction, but I, I think it isn't because of the role that that plays in the book. Um, this is Gandalf's role in the battle. You know, the, yeah. the the entirety of what he does. We never see him doing anything in the battle. Um, the entirety of what he does, you know, he is like this semi-supernatural intervention at that moment where the battles are about to be joined. The only thing that stops, you know, orcs and el- or, or dwarves and elves from killing each other in that moment is the fact that the wizard appears in the middle and, you know, uh, uh, shouts with a preternaturally loud voice and uh, and calls them to their senses. And that moment mm-hmm. seems to be is is seems to be a really important moment for Gandalf, even in a sense, almost a defining moment for Gandalf. Um, in fact, I've never really thought about it in this way before. But you can almost see it as a kind of transitional moment for Gandalf. Gandalf, um, the role that he plays in the book to this point is pretty limited. Um, that is poking we, and prodding. Yeah, he's poking and prodding. He's accompanying them. Um, you know, he's you know he introduces them. He makes introductions, right? He he's got connections along the way. Introduces them to Elrond. He introduces them to Beorn. He introduces them more importantly to the Eagles. Um, you know, the, the, but uh, but what we don't see is Gandalf in the role that he's really going to be in in the Lord of the Rings. That is Gandalf. This is kind of his Gandalf the Grey uncloaked moment. Yes, it is. This is where we see him acting in a way which is much more in keeping with the way he's going to be acting in the Lord of the Rings. That is, as somebody who is you know, like, steward and caretaker of all of the people, and who serves as, like, help and counselor to all of them. Um, so that fact that he is the one who rises up in the middle of all three armies, um, stops them, has the respect and authority among all three in order to get their attention and have them take him seriously, and to begin ordering, you know, making, giving orders to their captains, essentially. Um, you know, Gandalf in that moment is doing, you know, that's that's Gandalf doing his Gandalf thing. Um, 
so that, that I think that the fact of that intervention in the book is really important. Had they just been, even even at that same moment, had you know the goblin army just come over the rise and started attacking at that moment, and the three of them been diverted, the same result might have occurred. That is, you know, like the same you catastrophic sudden allegiance of armies that had been in, at war a second ago might still have occurred. But what you would lose is the Gandalf element. You would lose his intervention. So I think that the question of, is there going to be anyone in that role? Is there anyone who's going to be in the role of calling everybody to their senses? Because that role is going to be an important role, I would think. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is they have, they have time to plan. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I think that's the other, the other, that's the other distinguishing thing with A and B versus C and D, that they, that they, that they have like, oh, okay, we better draw plans for a battle. Um, you know, C and D are more... C and D are basically what happens, like the river chase scene in um, Desolation of Smaug, where the elves are pursuing the, the dwarves, and then goblins come over a wall and start attacking the elves, and they're like, uh, oh, crap. Yes. But C and D are a little more like... D is literally that. C yes. is not quite that, but close. Um, yes. Um, yeah. Yep, we'll yep. See. There was something else I was going to add to that, and I forgot what it was. Oh, oh! the other thing to point out about the way things work in the book, Thorin is not a part of that either. Right, exactly. This is, this is straight up Dine, Bard, and Thranduil. Um, their, their imminent battle being interrupted. And it's not even too you know, well into the Battle of Five Armies that Thorin even enjoins. Um, yes, yeah, uh, everybody forgets about Thorin. I mean, like, they had yeah. forgotten about Thorin, uh, Like, says. you know, so, I, well, we don't know what that miserly old fool up in the mountain's doing, but right. we're fighting for our lives down here, so... Right, exactly. And that's why that's such an important moment when Thorin, um, yeah. you know, not also, just also, cro- jumps over, but throws down the wall that is blocking the the, yeah. the gate, you know, and... He probably and doesn't seem out. that important, because he's got 12 dwarves. Like, right, uh, right. I, I, yeah. It's not exactly uh, what you'd call a relief column, right? But uh, but yes. nevertheless, uh, you know there he is. So yeah, that's a that's a really important uh, uh, a really important moment in part for that reason. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that's um, you know how that's handled. I'm assuming Thorin is not going to disappear for nearly as long uh, in the film. I don't expect mm-hmm. that to happen. Where the the majority of the battle goes on before Thorin intervenes. Um, but um, Boy, uh, um, yeah. Justin brings up an interesting point. This, this, if you, if you want to sort of speculate, to whom might they give Gandalf's role? Yep. Bilbo seems like the obvious candidate. Oh yeah, he's my, oh, yeah. he's my, he's my plan A for option B. Uh, I, you know, I think that. <laughs> I think sure. he's, he's sure. yeah. B A. Yeah, exactly. He, he's my B A plan. Um, no, I, I do. I agree. If if it's not Gandalf, uh, Bilbo is my is my absolute second candidate for that. Yeah, of uh, course. The the problem with that being how on earth did Bilbo come by the knowledge of the Goblin Army? That's a good question. Maybe um, and maybe this is where like maybe Legolas shows up and with this news, and then but Bilbo's the one that actually intercedes. Maybe yeah. How would Bilbo? Well, no, how would Bilbo be in that position? So, so someone, someone could deliver. Someone else, Gandalf, Legolas, could deliver the news. But it's Bilbo who manages to, who has the rhetorical skill to uh, interrupt the battle. And oh, Brian, of course, has just suggested the obvious 
answer, which of course I should have thought of before, which is that Roach warns Bilbo. Of yeah, course. of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we should have thought of that sooner. Um, okay, well, here, here's sort of thinking outside the box a little bit. What if the intervention uh, from Gandalf, Bilbo, or similar has nothing to do with the news of the orcs' advance? What That's if true there too. is, like, so for instance, what if Bilbo intervenes? Um, you know, they're all about to come to blows, and then Bilbo, like, jumps out and, like, makes a big speech in which he says, like, you all should be ashamed of yourselves, and uh, this is a horrible thing that you were all doing, and then, like, the three, you know, armies are all, like, you know, the, the, the leaders, they're, they're all crestfallen and, like, shamed by, you know, Bilbo's noble speech, and then... What if he takes a, a the dwarf arrow right mint... For the what if he takes a dwarf arrow meant for the Elven King and they're like, oh, he gave his life to defend him. <laughs> what? You're still alive? You have a hide harder than. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I, I'm not sure how it could happen otherwise. I mean, I'm just trying to, th- you know, because I can easily imagine Bilbo doing this. I can even easily imagine them giving Bilbo a speech during, like, really tense negotiations where Bilbo steps up and is like, y'all should be ashamed of yourselves, every single last one of you. Um, I can see Bilbo doing that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, you know, and therefore perhaps he could be in that interventional role. But then, you know, so maybe what we have is Bilbo intervening to prevent hostilities and then right after that the goblins show up, so it sure like turns out fortunate that Bilbo had like stopped them from fighting so that instead they were ready to uh to face the goblins when they come. Mm. Nobody's voted for B yet, so I'm gonna keep talking until I convince somebody to vote for B. No, you're just gonna drive them to other answers. <laughs> yeah, probably so. At least at least all the candy Hooray, okay, somebody voted for B. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um uh, no, I mean, I think this could. I think this could happen. I mean, I, 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 I do not disbelieve in B. I, I think that that's. Uh, um, um, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah Justin says, right. you know, uh, I should probably. I should probably answer because I should probably get going. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I should go too soon, actually. All right. I, I think I'm going to say B. You're going to say B. Okay. There we go. Yep, I think I, I get. I, this seems like the kind of thing that they might take out of Gandalf's hands. I don't know. This is where they're going to burn me and do exactly what the book said. But, um, but I, I think there's a lot of possibilities. There's Legolas. There, you know, it seems seems it seems highly likely that Legolas is going to discover the presence of the orc army. Um, and I also like the idea of Bilbo doing it. So. Um, and I do kind of think that there actually is going to be fighting, but I think it's going to be interrupted by by someone making an announcement, hence A or B, mm-hmm. rather than D. So right. just remember, people, it's even if there is fighting, that doesn't automatically make it D. D is there's fighting, and the way they find out about the orc army is the orc army attacks. If If the fighting is interrupted by someone making an announcement about the orc army... No, that is not imminently attacking. Yeah. That is not D. That could be A yeah. or B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go with B. Yes, Justin, vote B for Bilbo. <laughs> vote B for Bilbo. Um, okay. Corey's 
not talking because he's hoping I'll say something, but I'm waiting for Corey before I vote. I... See, now, as always, now when I'm answering riddles, I'm trying to balance that which I think likely with that which I think awesome. And... (laughs) I don't think it's going to be A, only because I think that Gandalf's arrival is more likely to be at the catastrophic end of the battle than at the beginning of the battle. Um, it would seem to fit with um, it would seem to fit with the story as we've as we're as we have it built up. Um, I mean he's gonna have to move fast to be I can see him being rescued and taking care of business down in Dogoldor in time to get up there still to make it because Azog left a while back, right? So um, so the story has him trailing the orc army to the Lonely Mountain. Is he capable of passing them and arriving there first? Yes, of course he is. But, but again, the, the sort of the, the, the logic of the, of the plot of the film has him trailing the goblins. Therefore, I see him more as a, an unexpected, catastrophic part of the catastrophic intervention. I see him arriving he with, arrives the, with, with the eagles. Bjorn and the yes, eagles. with Bjorn and the eagles more than I see him arriving before in order to warn them. So that's why I disbelieve in A. Um, I do like B, you know, as, as, as a piece of story goes, I do like the idea of the person who calls everybody to their senses, you know, the person who, um, you know, I, I do like that moment. I do like that scene. Um, I dislike E. I think that it's possible that we'll get E, but I dislike uh, I dislike E on sort of dramatic principles. Therefore, I'm debating between B and C or D. I think, by the way, between C and D, I would choose D, um, mostly because, again, I think that um, I think that on screen um, the things tend to be exaggerated. You know, for in order to have the same effect that you can have with a less exaggerated thing in a book. Um, so, in order to get the like, oh my gosh, this is about to get really horrible. Things are going to be, you know, to actually have them join so that the 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 audience is actually sitting there saying, no, no, this isn't supposed to happen. No, this is awful. Um, I think if they're just like shaking weapons at each other, it's not going to arouse that same kind of that same kind of uh, uh, response. So, I, I suspect. D before C. Here's my one of my big problems, though, uh, uh, and I will call this the Holy Grail objection. I'm worried that if we have the armies charging towards each other and somebody intervenes, it's going to look like the end of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> you know, or with a, with a similar level of sort of anticlimax. Um, uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that we're going to get policemen stuffing the cameras, but uh, uh, but. The a, a charging army which is like stopped in the middle, like mid charge, uh, that's going to look anticlimactic, kind of under any circumstances, I think. Um, so I'm choosing now. I've narrowed it down to between B and D. <laughs> uh, 
D. 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 I'm going with D. I think that we are going to get like the Bilbo intervention that uh, that uh, Dave and Justin uh, are hoping for. Um, I think it's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to succeed in uh, stopping the battle. I think that we're going to get, you know, because we're going to have plenty of opportunities for people to make good and noble speeches in advance um, and still have them be ignored um, and have, therefore, the result of the story be leading people to appreciate that they had gotten it right in the first time. In fact, you will recall that is the dynamic that we get in Thorin's deathbed scene um, in the book of Thorin saying, you know, I now appreciate that, you know, you've been right all along, essentially, to Bilbo. You know, I now, I now see that your point of view um, was, uh, was, in fact, a very good one. And I could see that being a little bit more generalized, that sentiment being more generalized among the leadership, and special, especially among Thranduil and um, Bard. So, D, D. I think I think I think we're gonna. I, I think nobody's gonna stop the battle except the coming of the orcs, and I think that they are gonna fight. Um, so, yep, D. D is my prediction. Okay, my turn. Yep, your turn. I'm going with A. So we have a division, okay. complete division amongst us. And the reason I'm going with A is because I believe that we need a connection between Dol Guldur and Erebor, and I think that connection is Gandalf. It's going to be Gandalf, okay. Yeah, I think he's going to just ride like heck out of, out of Dol Guldur once things are wrapped up there because he wants to, you know... Hey, wait, maybe that's why they're dirt. selling that horse. <laughs> because Gandalf rid it so hard that you know, like they're putting it out to pasture now. It can't be ridden anymore. <laughs> In fact, that I think is what we should read into the fact that that horse is for sale. It gives us clear evidence about the way that the plot of film three. There proceeds. you go. Oh, we should add that. We yeah, should, yeah, we should add that. To Absolutely. The, you know, so there obviously, you go. See, it's all about the sale of that horse. That's really yeah. That's right. That's, it just tips the tips the. I tips was kind of surprised. Hand, I, I thought surely they signed they signed some kind of an agreement with Warner Brothers. You know, I was I thought I wonder if the studio is going to sue them for trying to sell the horse before the movie comes out. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, that's, what if the horse I, gets I'm called back for pickups the, for crying out loud? That's I mean, right. seriously. That's right. So I'm thinking I'm thinking that this is going to be Gandalf's ride across the desolation of Smaug is going to be the connection between Dumbledore. You know, a movie connection to Dildor and Erebor, and he will be the one coming to warn them. Okay, I can see this. May, you sound skeptical. No, I like it. But that's okay. I like it. I like it. I, I, like I, I said, I you know, my own my own thinking, and you know, as I was just explaining, my own thinking about Gandalf is different. But uh, but I can I can I can totally see this. This would not shock me. This is, you know, and the, and this is one of those situations where we always sit and think, imagine all the various ways that they could modify the story, and then they burn us and just do exactly what's in the book. <laughs> yep, so. I can um, absolutely imagine that. This yep. totally could be one of those. All right, I have to bolt, okay. uh, but I'll, I'll let you guys handle the the signing off and stuff. So. Okay. Yes, yes, thanks, sir. Dave. No problem. Yep. Bye. I will talk to you guys later. Okay. Two weeks. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, we should uh, we should probably now we have. It says eighty-two percent voted on my screen. Have you got eighty-two uh, percent? I got, I got ninety now. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. Shall I close her up and uh, sure. share? Sure, absolutely. Okay. We have a nicely balanced. We we don't have a unanimous riddle this time like we did last time. I know. Well, you know. We're we not. Gotta, we're not exactly we unanimous. Switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta switch it up. You know. Um. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, yeah. We have. Um, 
we have a we have a pretty good spread here with A and D being the clear favorites uh, among the populace. Um, so yeah, yeah, good. Um, okay, well. Uh, quick announcements. Uh, our first announcement is, as we've been threatening for several episodes now, uh, uh, MythMoot <laughs> registration is in fact open. Uh, so if you would, if you are planning to come to, to MythMoot this coming uh, January in Baltimore, um, you know our, our our major conference, which we're you know which will be after the release of the third film, so we'll be doing a lot of discussion uh, of film three and looking back over the whole Hobbit trilogy. We'll be talking, you know, doing a, a, a you know that's not going to be the, expo- the exclusive focus of the conference, of course, but there will certainly be a bunch of that there. So it's a, it's a great place to do a, a, you know, to get together for some for some live, uh, uh, you know, going back over Riddles in the Dark stuff uh, from uh, from all three seasons. So um, anyway, um, uh, there is uh, um, the, the the registration is open if you if you would like to come. Um, there is uh, you know a a special price for early registration which goes through the end of August. So um, if you sign up uh, in the next two months, you get a lower rate. So um, I encourage you to look at that. Just go to mythgard.org, m-y-t-h-g-a-r-d.org, and go to the MythMoot page, which you can find in the quick links box on the right hand side of the page, and that will bring you to the MythMoot page and a link to the registration. So uh, go ahead and do that. And also, um, we are um, um, on the verge. We're on the verge, and this is going to be in a much less less period of time than it took us as we were promising MythMoot. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like it's not going to be as long right. <laughs> time right. for the call for papers. Yes, the call for papers will be coming out too. So if you would like to if you would like to present something at MythMoot, we encourage you to consider it. I know sometimes people sort of feel like, oh, I am not a scholar. I can't uh, present something. Um, there have been a, you know, there were a great many people last year who presented uh, papers at MythMoot who had never presented before at a scholarly conference. Um, and they did great. There was, you know, there, yeah, um, they did. So I, I strongly encourage you to uh, consider it if you and have it have to just an be idea. Tolkien. Right, absolutely not. It's yeah, not it's not just Tolkien. It's basically speculative fiction, so, which includes science fiction as well as fantasy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. So and also, yes, uh, Luke is reminding me. Um, I definitely encourage you to. You know, we've been uh, at uh, Mythgard. We've been uh, sort of refocusing on our. Uh, um, social network stuff so i encourage you to uh to you know if you are uh, if you are fans and followers of us there to be uh you know adding following and sharing uh, uh you know the, the the this on your social network stuff we we would uh, we would appreciate that so um uh, so good, yeah. So those are those are the the the, the MythMoot news. Um, the MythGuard Academy is we're starting to wind down the uh, Book of Lost Tales Part One class. Um, we have a we have three more sessions left, um, going through the middle of July, and then starting July 29th, we will be beginning the Dune class, uh, a class on Frank Herbert's Dune, um, which is going to last for a while. Dune's a long book uh, and a complicated book, so. I just uh, I just officially wrote the schedule out for that, uh, and it's it's going to go until until the first part of October actually. So wow, 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 wow! It's a long. It's 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 going to be twelve weeks. So um, that's I like a Mythgard course, boy. Do that. What a deal! <laughs> yeah, I couldn't possibly do Dune in fewer than. T- I mean, that's and I I left three open sessions, like three Q and A sessions in that. Oh, that's awesome! But I, I couldn't possibly do it in less time than that. So 
So everybody, quick, go redune. Go right redune. Now. <laughs> quick, redune. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. So you, you've got a month from now to review in preparation for the class. So that's um, great. And of course, there's still time to join us for Book of Lost Tales too. So that'll great. be great. Cool. All right. So those are Excellent. our announcements. Um, yes, July 29th. Again, yeah, that's the first day of the Dune class. That is uh, that is that is now official. So July Tuesday, July 29th. Um, so we'll be ending. Uh, we'll having the last session on the Book of Lost Tales, uh, Part One, um, in uh, on uh, July 15th, and then we'll have a week off, and then we'll start Dune on the 29th. Excellent, excellent. So well, good. So we're wrapped up. So next episode, which is in two weeks, we will be filling in everything else about the Battle of Five Robberies that we didn't talk about today. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll be talking especially about the end of the the, the end of the right. battle and its immediate outcomes. Yeah, that will that'll right. be the focus for for next right. week. So, right. All right. Very and, good. And Diane on on battle the Diane and Iron Hill Dwarves on battle pigs. Battle battle pigs. Yes, we will have a, we will have probably some discussion of the involvement of livestock in the Battle of Five Armies <laughs> at the end. Um, okay. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Very good. So, thanks for listening. I always feel it. Like, I'm sorry. That's okay. I just interrupted you, but I always feel like with car talk, I always want to say, "So you've just wasted another two hours." With- <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Go no ahead. No problem. Corey. Okay. I it's, hey, I can still. I do. Yeah. All right. So, thanks for listening, and Godspeed.